this is not a romance novel. I mean, you know, bodice ripping, locking eyes across the room kind of thing. But it is a love story. And I think people are interested in relationships. I've really learned that about this. And not just romantic relationships, but how we connect with people. And I think that's what folks are interested in, reading about that. And it's not just a simple story. There's some unexpected things in here. There's some surprises. And there's mystery and there's secrets. And so it's, I think, a multi-dimensional story. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have author Anne Himes from St. Michael's, Maryland. She studied English literature at Rollins College and Mills College, and then completed her graduate studies at Washington College, my alma mater, earning her master's degree in English. Although she chose a career in real estate, Anne maintained a lifelong passion for writing. Her debut novel is Shadow of Whimsy, a Cape Cod love story, and was released in June 2016 by Secant Publishing. The story follows Teresa Crandall as she uncovers hidden truths about her family's past and finds new relationships in a coastal New England town. Kirkus Reviews praised the book, saying... From grief and loss to forgiveness and redemption, Himes does not hold back. The author steers clear of predictable outcomes in this unexpected story, providing ample romantic suspense and witty prose to keep the reader turning the pages. So welcome to the podcast, Anne. Thank you. Very fun to be here. Fun to be in Berlin, too. I know. Well, the coolest small town in the country, right? Absolutely. Well, that's what we lay claim to. Right. And we're, and we're that's just going to say. Yeah, we, that was like two years <laughs> that, ago. I, well, it's funny because there's a banner above Town Hall. And I'm like, are they oh, really, really? going to leave it there until it rots? <laughs> Pretty much, or yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, yeah. at some point you have to either buy a new one or Listen, take it down. Berlin is the town that still lays claim to Runaway Bride. I know. It's amazing. A Richard Gere, right. Julie Roberts movie that was made in like 1900 or something. Mm-hmm. And we are still holding to that. So we will hold a small town. Cool that's small crazy. Town. <laughs> but you and I have another cool small town in common, Washington College. So Yes. Yeah. Chestertown. Chestertown, good old sea town. Yes. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. But so you and I both have that in common. We both hit Washington College for writing. And what was it I mean, I know what kind of pulled me there, but what was it about Washington College and, and English and writing? What was it that kind of pulled you there? Well, English has long been a pull for me. My Even in high school, English and French. My mother was a French teacher. And then I went on to college, mastered in... Uh, in my, my major was English. And then living in St. Michael's seemed like a good idea before I got too old to get a master's in English. So I considered a couple of options. And I mean, who doesn't want to go to Chestertown? So it was uh-huh. totally great. And I did it over a little bit of time because I realized that taking even two classes at once was too much. So it took me about as long to get the master's as an undergraduate <laughs> degree. But they finally pushed me out the door with the, with the degree. Now, what was your, what was your, what was your concentration um, that's a really good question since I do love to write. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people who um, love words love to write. People who love to read love to ha- play with words. Um, and I really knew I wanted to write. And frankly, um, Salisbury offered a better program for creative writing. Right. But I preferred to go to Chestertown and to Washington College. And I only in that time period took one creative writing class. 
Um, so it was a lot of literature and a lot of writing. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed that a lot. And did you do much analytical stuff? Was that because yes. that's that's what's always primarily? You know, it seems so much cooler until you're you know you're pouring through literal Middle English. Yeah, and then you have a thirty-page paper due. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember the I remember those days well. It's like, wait a minute, why did I do this? And that now I'm analyzing, you know, themes within Shakespeare about this. Yeah. That, and like, whoa, you know, but, yeah. But I, th- I mean, I, I loved my experience at Washington College. I mean, well, and you, of course, not only won, but were eligible to win the fabulous Sophie prize, Cruz, yeah. and that is not open to graduate students, as you well know. I was, so, yeah, I was yeah. just thinking, I was telling you, as you were sitting there talking, I was like, I wonder if that was even, but I guess not for the master's then. Nope. No. Nope. So, only undergraduates. So is, so Shadow of Whimsy, where was that born? Was that born at Washington College, or no. was that somewhere else, or... This was born of divorce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll give you the Cliff Notes uh, version. I was living in, after, you know, you mentioned I went into real estate. I was a real estate broker in Alexandria in Old Town for about 30 years. And then after being a single mother for a long time, I had come out of the Peace Corps, married a fellow Peace Corps volunteer, and we had two wonderful children. And then he left. And so doing that for a lot of years on my own, I finally did remarry, you know, for my sunset years, and we moved to uh, South Carolina. And he uh, was and is a college professor down there. And I was listening to public radio one day, and they were reading uh, for an hour a day from a book, you know, and, and this was a novel. I don't know if they moved them around. And as I was listening to that, I thought, oh, shoot, I can write as well as that. Right. <laughs> Duh, what we, what we know that we don't know. Um, so I started writing a book, and it was about a relationship. And I soon realized I was writing about my own disintegrating marriage. Right. And um, I had a sense where my own marriage was going to go, but I didn't know where my main character was going to go. So I would sit down every day and say, Teresa, where are we going today? Right. And uh, that's, how, that's how that was born. So I finished it before, you know, it's been finished for a while. And it uh, had its beginnings in South Carolina. And there, are, there is some history in uh, the book that relates to the low country of South Carolina. I have to laugh with all this emphasis on Hamilton and going on in, in New York City. Um, I have Aaron Burr's daughter mentioned in my book. <laughs> Theodosia is a very famous character, and she actually plays kind of an important role, almost by mistake, in the novel. Now, um, so you chose Cape Cod, though, as a setting. Mm-hmm. So we were on Maryland's Eastern Shore, and you were in South, South Carolina, Sakalana. So how did you how did you choose Cape Cod? Did you did you have a connection there to begin with, or uh, no connection? Though I did read about some guy I wanted to meet, and I went up to, and met, actually met him, <laughs> <laughs> but that was unrelated. Um, I thought I was going to be moving to the Cape, coming out of this second divorce, uh-huh. and literally two weeks before I was to move, the owner of this apartment said, you know, Ian, I think I'm going to use that property myself. So lo and behold, I had nowhere to go, put everything in storage, went and stayed with a friend back in the D.C. area. And I thought, well, if I can't move to the Cape, I'll write about it. Because I did go up and bike around, and I just really fell in love with Chatham particularly. And so the story takes place primarily in Chatham. Uh, on Cape Cod, a little bit in Provincetown, mm-hmm. which has a little funny story. I was up there in June doing a book tour, and I was in um, Provincetown. I was there with a high school friend, and she and I went to have lunch at the Lobster Pot 
in Provincetown. And I was waiting for her endlessly to come out of the restroom. And I started talking with a man there. And he said, oh, I'm one of the owners of the Lobster Pot. And I said, whoa, I'm here on a book tour. And the Lobster Pot not only is in my book, but plays an important role for the characters. So he took a picture of the book, put it on their Facebook page. I mean, it was, oh, that's fine. Yeah, it was, oh it was really cute. So anyway, yeah, and that's a long answer to your question. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's fine. And so I think I had read when I was doing a little bit of research for, for this podcast, I read that you, um, so it kind of took some time. It was finished and then it was kind of a project that kind of sat for you for a little bit, but mm-hmm. you kind of considered the vanity self-publishing thing, but then kind of shied away from that because you really wanted that traditional publishing route. And I think I read somewhere you said you'd rather it languish in a filing cabinet than to, you know, do yeah. that route. So what was that, what was that yeah. component like for you? Yeah. Well, the book takes place in 1980 And I wrote it, not at that time, but later. But even when I finished it, it was still, self-publishing still had that that Vanity Press thing going on to me. Obviously, in the last 10, 15 years, it's changed enormously. And to your credit, obviously, you're promoting this wonderful way for authors to get their stuff out there. So I decided when I was in St. Michael's to dust it off. I hired a professional editor which just is the most important thing I think you can do. You know, don't ask ask your mother how she likes your writing. No. Um, (laughs) So I hired this fabulous editor that is a regular uh, presenter at the Eastern Shore uh, Bay 100 Writers Conference. Mm -hmm. Big plug for Eastern Shore Writers Association, ESWA. There you go. Um, So I really had liked her classes, and so I approached her. She took it on, she edited it, and she came with her hatchet. And that's what you need. So Absolutely. she did a terrific job. And so as I was kind of molding it with new thoughts about bringing it forward and doing some editing, um, I actually looked into your operation. And then I went to a program that Eswa was putting on about publishing, self-publishing, traditional publishing. Right. And that's where I met Ron Souter. Who, who is awesome. He is awesome. Super cool. I went cool up guy. to him afterwards and I said, you know, I've got this finished book. And uh, he, I talked to him about it. And he said, it's not, doesn't sound like the usual thing I do, but send it to me. Sure. And in less than two weeks, he got back to me and said, "This, let's do this. Wow. So it was really neat. And you know, obviously we had a few more conversations, but... Yeah, that's the route. And yes, it started with, what do I do with this? And of course, that's what writers do. You know, is this... Is this bigger and better than just for my own interest? Well, yeah, yeah I'm I'm too vain. Everything is big, bigger and better for just like if I if if, if no one's going, I have to believe that someone else is going to see it in order for me to even start to write it. Um, we even start to write. Yeah, he's, I have he's to. Super humble. I he's have super to. Humble. No, 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 no. I mean, so <laughs> you start with this little nucleus and you yeah. say, "Are you going to grow, baby?" Well, the thing for for me, it's it's I I don't I don't think of what my audience wants to hear but i yeah. need to i need to know that there's an audience there i i need to know that it's something that's not just for me because mm-hmm. a that means that someone's clearly waiting for it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and b it makes cuz anything that i don't get published eventually i just put on i i just put online and so this is going to see the light of day and i think it makes me take it a little bit more seriously and you know and setting deadlines also makes me take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was... I think you have to write with the idea that there is an audience. Um, I, I had to laugh when I went to your website and found out a little bit more about you guys and listened to podcasts. I heard about the haiku. 
Yeah. And given haiku, the first thing I ever had published was in the sixth grade, a haiku. And I looked everywhere for that thing this morning to see if I could bring it. That would have been but wonderful. But it was published in a little, you know, literary magazine. Oh, that's right. adorable. It, it wasn't for pay. I mean, how I first got things published and paid for is, an, is another story, but the haiku was cute. That's adorable. Yeah. yeah, I was cleaning out a, gosh, I had like a hope chest kind of thing, you know, and one day, you know, it was a cold day and I went through and I found something from like, I don't know, elementary school or junior high where we like had like a little literary magazine there, but there are adorable reminders of that. We've always been in love with words. Mm-hmm. It's an adorable reminder or, you know, kind of this heart string moment where you're like, Hey, yeah, I, ever since I could put words together to make mm-hmm. some sense, I've been at this, I've been trying, I've, I've kind of viewed the world this way. And yeah. it's kind of like a nice little affirmation, kind of dust it off and realize how awful it is and then put it back in the... I think affirmation is a really, really important word in writing. That's how we grow, for Absolutely. one thing, because you can't just keep doing same old same old. And so as we build on our successes, we go to new places, I think. Well, I, I wanted to return briefly to what you said about having an editor and how important that was. Um, I started in the newspaper business. And when you're having your stuff edited every day, it not it doesn't just make you better. It also gives you appreciation for something like I will I will live and die and never be a great editor. I mean, I could be an okay writer, but they mm-hmm. they can do things to my work that I I couldn't do it. Like maybe I could do it to your work, but mm-hmm. I couldn't do it to my own. They see things differently, Absolutely. and I think it has to do with that being one step removed from it and not they want to they want the story to be good they don't want your story to be, they don't care if it's your story or not they mm-hmm. care if it makes sense to the reader so they kind of put themselves in the place of the reader and what would make a reader like this well this won't and this might you know and that's what that's what i think makes it important to have an editor absolutely and a, and a writer has to be willing to let go yeah, you know, to, the, the little wonderful things that we hold close to our bosom often are the first things that have to go out the door. Well, and, and that's what – when you trust your editor, mm-hmm. the, the, the guy who I worked for first here in Berlin, he was, he was just really good. And you know, I didn't like it mm-hmm. that he changed my words. I was yeah. irritated, but objectively, it was better. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. better after he went through it. I didn't yeah. want that to be the case. But once you start to accept that that's the case, you get better at it. Now mm-hmm. I'm great at it. I'm great at hearing how horrible I am. So. <laughs> well, the two, you know, the functions of the editor, I, as I said, went through that process. I felt very confident with what I submitted to Ron. He then still hired a copy editor, which probably most people who are listening to this know there is a huge difference. Yeah. And so the cop, and he paid for it. So it was his thing to tighten it up in ways. And so it, that was painful to me. It was much harder than the first editing, which is ideas and things flowing Content, and making yeah. sense. You're ready to go to war and over the copy commas. editor. Uh, I tried to, I told Ron, I'm going to look carefully at every single one of these things. I mean, there were dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of things that she changed. And I said, I will look carefully and respectfully at all of her ideas. And he was wonderful. He said, it's your writing. You decide. And so he then would comment on the same page with what she had said and giving his Mm-mm, yes, maybe no on it. Right. And I finally, as I said, I was trying to be open and I finally realized that she was flattening my writing mm. and it really made a difference. And, um, I started being a little more critical with 
ideas that she had. I thought she was a little bit more of like of an academic. Uh, and that, that's the thing. All, all of the all of the best copy editors come out of the newspaper business, mm-hmm. and they are. I mean, they 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 are exacting. But mm-hmm. when they're again, when they're good at what they do, they keep things nice and clean. Yeah. If you need to deliver it sharp, yeah. <laughs> you know. But the people there, and, and I think Ron does mostly nonfiction, right? Isn't he? I think most. I mean, there've been a couple yeah. things that. Uh, yeah. The, the, I've done a couple of um, like the preview, you know, advanced copy books. We've printed them here on right. the EBM, mm-hmm. and I think the last, I think one was uh, fiction, but it was kind of uh, based in a lot of history. It was like a little historical fiction piece, and another one was a nonfiction one. So, I mean, if you just got the one nonfiction. copy editor, yeah. there's a lot that's kind of quirky in my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, use of words that's a little different. And to me, that's what is appealing and makes richness in what I'm doing. So anyway, it came out fine. I was grateful. I did accept many of her thoughts and ideas, and um, I think we got a better product. Because yeah, that's of it. fantastic. Yeah, I think in, in earlier we were sort of talking a little bit about creative nonfiction, and I think you had said um, – was it? I was in the back for a second, but did you say that this started um, as a quest to get something published in the Christian Science Monitor? And then the, um, the first thing I ever had published was um, a short piece um, about my mother, actually, and it was published in the Christian Science Monitor. I was, I'm a regular reader of the Monitor. I love the quality of their content, and as I thought about that more, I thought, hmm. They have what's called the home forum page in the monitor, and it's creative nonfiction. And so I thought, you know, I'd like to start writing, and my goal is to get something published on the home forum page right. in the Christian Science Monitor. And over time, I've had a number of pieces published there, and it was paid for them. You know, this is the right. professional kind, sure. of, kind of big time yeah, world. Yeah, no, that's sure. but several magazines. Kind of going back to that copy editing thing, every single piece I ever had published, they changed the title. And they were all fine, you know. And so when Ron took this book, I said, what do you think about the title? And he said, oh, it's good. I said, no, really? What do you think about that? Is the title okay? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he was going to – he said, no, I think the title's really good. <laughs> so this is literally the first thing of whatever I've had published that – That got your own title on it, yeah. <laughs> I, a, a lot of times, uh, especially in print, you have to worry about, like, does it fit and is it, and is it eye-catching? Because a lot of, of times when you're naming your own story – you have insider information and you're like, I'm going to be clever. And then mm-hmm. it's like, well, good. Cause no one's going to read it. Mm-hmm. And that happened. I mean, I do that to myself literally every day. Yeah. And right. I'm like, well, we had our friend, Jeff, Jeff right. Smith, who's been on the podcast. He's had, um, his new book is being traditionally published. And, he had a title, uh, the lady is missing or the lady is gone oh, or, right, yeah. or something like that. And, um, it was, it's a choose your own adventure for, for oh, young okay. kids kind of. And it's about the, the theft of the Mona Lisa. And so he had originally entitled it, The Lady is Missing or The Lady is Gone. I, I'm sorry, Jeff. I can't remember. Um, and then <laughs> when the publisher got it, they changed it to like Mona Lisa. Yeah, someone Mo- stole the Mona like, Lisa. Yeah, they changed yeah. it to like <laughs> Mona <laughs> Lisa <laughs> is gone. You know? Probably right after Gone Girl came right. out. Yeah, too. <laughs> it might have been a good time. <laughs> and so he was like, you know, he, he kind of liked the more, I think I could kind of tell, he kind of liked the more like The Lady is Gone. You know, it's kind of more... But in the publisher was like, nope, Mona Lisa's missing. And boom, you know, there yeah. was. Because they have to, you know, just like, you know, Ron Souter of Seekin Publishing has to think about the marketing components and that sort of thing. You know, they have to be like, 
if people like if I'm, we have to know kind of right off the bat what this is about so mona lisa gone there it yeah, is you know funny. so that's important we have to get outside of our own work so i know often. but we all but like we all want to believe that we're writing catch 22 and that you <laughs> won't understand the title until after you've finished it and we don't think that you know you'll you like your punishment for not already having read it is you're not interested in the title which is why the title of your book is delaware beer <laughs> oh that was what, so hard what's that about uh, yeah. brutal <laughs> brutal 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 just kidding that's uh, okay uh, so i got i want to i want to just just um just poop on uh history press again just because it's it's fun for me i uh i got my i got my royalty statement today i've decided not to pay them for my books because they that way that way it prevents them from losing my royalty checks so <laughs> So they just sent me the bill, and this is the royalties that we didn't send you in another 15 or 20 years. I'll have <laughs> my books paid off. It just gives me just a little bit of a little bit of fight the man pleasure. So Tony had two books published by the History Press, and he's got a bit of an antagonistic relationship with oh, his uh, publisher now. Okay. I don't know how that works. I have a sweet Oh, yeah. No, he's a great guy. That's yeah, why. no, Ron's super nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so we'll just give a little plug to Seek It Publishing. Yeah, please. Ron please. Souter. Yeah, check I him d- out. I Good don't know how stuff. to query them. We should probably find out. We're going to put a link on the website. We'll put a link to Seekin Publishing. And has he ever just... been here for a podcast? He sent you. He's and... on. Your, he's on our short list. He's on the okay. very short list. I think what he wanted to do is give his authors uh, mm-hmm. a chance, you know, and yeah. kind of get them out. And then, yeah. you know, when we have him on, we can say, "Oh, well, we talked with Ann, and we talked right. with Karen, and we talked with Bill Peak, and right. you know, some of those folks." So, um, but we—he's definitely on our list to, to bring out. So. Interesting guy. And so to bring it back to the to the title, I mean, it's it's a catchy enough title, but it does seem like you're not going to figure out why it's called that until you're already hooked by it anyway. Mm-hmm. The subtitle is an important part of this. If you just saw Shadow of Whimsy, right. which I did play with for a long time, um, it's kind of like, well, is what what's going on there? So right. the subtitle really does help, I think, a lot. And I had um, – there was a book club in Virginia that was using it uh, – actually using it this month for their book club discussion. Oh, that's nice. And one thing that came up, she asked me specifically about the title, and I gave her a list of six previous possibilities for the title. She was so into that, you know, yeah. exploring why each one I probably rejected, and I thought that was kind of fun. So I don't know how their discussion went yet. <laughs> You were saying earlier that you had that you had booked your own book tour. I did as well, but mine was an utter failure. So, what did you do to what did you do to support yourself as as a writer there? Well, I think no matter unless you're, you know, Tom Clancy, I think all authors are now pretty much required to do a lot of their own marketing and promotion. Um, no matter which route you go for publishing. So I wanted to go up to the Cape. I wanted to launch this book in Mm -hmm. the Cape and in Chatham particularly. And I had a friend up there who ran a newspaper for many years on the Cape and was able to provide me a list of bookstores. Believe it or not, there are 17, and actually I found more, uh, independent bookstores in Cape Cod. I thought that was pretty I, impressive. Believe it or not, I, do. I believe that completely. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was very exciting. So what happened was Ron sent uh, the press release. The book had just come out. He sent a press release and a copy of the book to all these stores. And then I followed up with them So there, and called on the stores to you know sell them copies. 
um, in Chatham right now, both the bookstores are carrying it. There are you know, about a dozen stores up there that have it. I didn't do any readings. This was just call on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, we launched the book then uh, back in St. Michael's. We had 150 people. That's great. Which, That's awesome. Which exceeds the fireman's idea of who should be in that room. Right. <laughs> but um, that was really fun. You know, I sent out postcards and, you know, just to kind of tell you what all went on. And there was very good uh, promotion through the library system for that. Ron was there, so he sold the books. I didn't sell the books. Right. Um, but the Cape, oh, darn, I had to stay at this fabulous uh, Chatham Bars Inn in oh. Cape Cod man, uh-huh. for a you. week. Oh, oh darn. Tough, I know. Man. I hate it when that happens. The awful writer's yeah. life. It was, it was fabulous. So it, that, as I said, it was important to me to launch it in the Cape. Right. So it was, and and there. and so what have you? What is what's the other part of your of your getting getting the word out? I think getting the word out is pretty hard for me, particularly because I am not a Facebook um, social no, media social media kind of person. I do have to satisfy my darling publisher a Facebook page, an author page, but I don't even allow friends, so don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that heard. means. You don't allow friends. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe it's just like a, a page. It's like up in private, or oh, yeah. Or I mean, anybody not... can get into it. Right. All of a sudden, people were wanting to be my friend, and then I was getting all their junk, and I thought, no. Yeah. So I was on Facebook some time ago. My kids were living in Singapore, and I also paint, and I wanted them to see the art. But man, you know, I really, I don't care what people have for breakfast. I don't want to see a picture of your dog on his hind feet. So I am not a very good person f- for that. Um, I have found word of mouth has been really yeah. quite, quite, quite extraordinary. Um, I've had people stop me on the street, obviously, that know me, but I don't know them right. because they've bought the book and they recognize my Oh, picture. that's awesome. So um, it's now in the bookstore in Chestertown, um, Stephanie. So uh, the, that's a great store. Oh, my gosh. That's really fun. They now have a resident cat. Which is kind of a, kind of completes the picture, right? Yeah, of the old very like bookstore, bookstore with a yeah, cat. Yeah, the old independent bookstore. So yeah. that's been fun. It's um it's available in two places in St. Michael's, and I know I'm a disappointment to my publisher for this, but he knew going in that those were my limitations, and I was sticking with them. How, how about an Oxford? This is the one in Oxford, right? Have not approached them yet, uh, and that's an important one. Yeah, and she actually mans the little book sales area for the writers conference in march so i need to connect with her i'm sure i know ron has but i haven't i'm just yeah no, she's very supportive of local authors yeah happy to happy to hear they're still open mm-hmm. so i think yeah, so i absolutely. think so do you do a lot of readings or uh things like that nature or conferences or i mean I'm, you had mm-hmm. mentioned the the eshwa stuff i didn't know if have you if they if you do any readings or talks or anything like that the only really major thing was at the launch at the library and, gotcha and that was huge so yeah. it's fun i've donated books for like we've had auctions and right yeah things. that's and, how i'm going to get rid of the all book of mine did come out at first it came out first in soft cover and then it came out in hardcover and so i donated several copies for that and i thought well that puts it in somebody's hand. It raises money for the firemen, and right, yeah. So those kinds of things. And again, it's nice. It's nice to know that someone is reading it. Yeah, yeah. And I and I also think it's pretty cool that um, your first time out, you know, you strike out with traditional publishing. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a that's a bar a lot of people aim for and don't get. And mm-hmm. I just think it's really cool that you know you had this and you were like, hey, I'd really like to get that 
you know, traditional publishing yeah. validation, go that route. And then it happens. And I think that's, that, that is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I won the Sophie Crow prize and could not get that to happen at all. So I just think it's really cool yeah. when people are able to kind of like, you know, they, it's, I don't know if it's like, you know, you strike while the iron is hot or whatever, or, or clearly it's a, it's an intersection of clearly a good story and clearly, you know, the right publisher kind of, kind of coming to this moment in time together. And I just, I just think that's like really, really cool. Well, you probably know that romance is like the biggest runaway category of all times. This is not a romance novel. I mean, you know, bodice ripping, locking eyes across the room kind of thing, Right. but it is a love story. And I think people are interested in relationships. I've really learned that about this. And not just romantic relationships, but how we connect with people. And I think that's what folks are interested in, reading about that. And it's not just a simple story. As the Kirkus Review said, there's some unexpected things in here. There's some prizes, some surprises. And there's mystery and there's secrets. And so it's, I think, a multidimensional story, I hope. But I remember reading or talking to somebody, at a publisher at the um, Bay 100 Writers Conference about four or five years ago, and this couple came up to this man, and the, and the husband said, I've submitted my book to you so many times, three or four times, and you keep rejecting it. And he said, it's such a good story. It was historical something. And he said, it's such a good story. And the, pub- the publisher turned to him and said, but the writing is not good. Right. Oh, he finally, this poor man had, he had something he wanted to tell and wanted to say, but without good enough writing, it wasn't going to have legs. And so I've thought about that with this when I was writing. Is this story only important to me because I'm going through a challenging relationship thing? And I think a lot of memoirs bite the dirt because people think they want to, you know, regurgitate their life story and everybody should be interested in that. But if it's not relevant to a reader, yeah, you have to be able to connect. You got nothing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's been fun for me and to hear the feedback and people do email me. I, my email address is on the back and I hear from people. It's, it's cool. It's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think there, there's something really cool. And I think that's kind of one of the things about some social media. Um, I'm thinking mostly of Twitter is that there, it allows for a channel yeah. that the reader audience can reach out to yeah. someone whose book they've read and yeah. start a conversation, start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like there was a book that I read, um, and it, the author was Deborah Halper, and she wrote this book about the the skeleton crew, and it's basically about like amateur web sleuths who solve these crimes and things like that. And I just like when I was done with the book, I looked her up on Twitter. There she was, and I just yeah. tweeted like, "Hey, really enjoyed this book." And then like yeah. you know, she like liked it, and then followed me, and I was like, "Whoa, that's you know." So there's yeah. like when you're able as you know, and that's me on the reader side. There's there's that moment when you can connect in some way and say, Hey, I really enjoyed this. And then to be on the author side, be like, Hey, somebody really, somebody paid attention. Like I didn't do it in a vacuum. You know, there was a reason and you get that. I mean, that's such a cool, that's a cool moment between absolutely people and helps you know that you're not sitting alone in a dark room. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I volunteer for an organization called partners in care and we drive elderly people primarily to appointments, uh, medical appointments, primarily people who shouldn't or couldn't drive. And so I decided to do a fundraiser for Partners in Care. And I asked my hairdresser, who um, has a lot of these 
ladies or knows them, if she would allow the book to be sold in her salon. She said, sure. So I gave her a bunch of books. You know, I paid for them. And she sold them out in a week. And then a couple of weeks later, she said, Anne, I'm hearing from these women. They'd like to meet with you. And I thought, is this a good thing or right. a bad thing yeah. or whatever? So, it was, so I said, absolutely. So she had a bunch of these, you know, like eight women are, you know, just all were interested and wanted to sit down and ask me questions. And, um, so the idea of a sequel comes up, which of course every author loves to hear that there won't, I won't live long enough to do a (laughs) sequel for this book, but that same kind of thing. It started a conversation with people who'd read the book and wanted more from the author and to ask me questions about it. It was really fun. Yeah. I, I, I think I've said on the podcast before, one of the best compliments I ever got about the book that I did, that was a Sophie Kerr prize book was, a couple on a, just a Sunday afternoon didn't know what to do. So they started with the first story and kind of went to all the towns in that story. And then the next story went to the oh, towns cool. in that one. And they packed like, you know, a bottle of wine and some cheese and crackers and just some stuff. And they just like got in their car on a Sunday morning awesome. and they just drove around basically the dumb, well, not the entire dumb, but there were certain towns that I had mentioned, uh, beta ocean, you know, like, you know, from all the way from Crisfield to, you wow. know, Stockton, Maryland. And they just kind of made meander from town to town. Like, Oh, well this happened in this, town and stop and have some fun and their own little pilgrimage yeah and i've always i never forgot that and i always kind of felt like that was one of the best compliments i ever had on my work you know like it's like that to like they read it and then they wanted to talk to you and it's like right to my read my work and they wanted to go look at where i was you know the best compliment i've had about the book is a man who is reading the book and he's at the last chapter and he said he's a gay man by the way, reading this love story. And he said, I'm at the last chapter and I don't want to finish this book because I don't want to say goodbye to these characters. And I said, that is the nicest thing anybody could say to me. That's just awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to finish your book because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to part with it. I don't want to say goodbye to these characters. You always want to have a little something left in the tank. Yeah, you know? that's cool. Man, that is cool. Well, I'm going to be the party pooper here. Oh, uh, so we're uh, we're coming to the end here of of our of our afternoon. But before we do, I want to remind you guys that if you'd like to send us some love, we will send you haikus and limericks. You can send that to podcast at saltwatermedia.com. and you can find us at saltwatermedia dot no. <laughs> So what's your story podcast.com is either live this moment or it will be shortly. Well, it's live, but it's not quite finished. So you and I have a little bit more work to do. We, I, uh, I have, I have the work. She's, she's done everything and they're waiting know, on we, me. We're a team, Tony. Uh, we're a team. No, on the we, weak link. Yeah. No. So we, we, uh, the saltwater media podcast page was getting a little cumbersome, a little heavy. So what we decided to do is branch out and give the podcast its own web presence. So if you go to so what's your story podcast.com, you'll see it. Uh, please forgive us. Um, we're still trying to get all the old stuff into there, but we're working on that very quickly. But our podcast, uh, podcast at saltwatermedia.com is still up and kicking. And there's actually even a contact form on the new website uh, in case you don't want to email. You just want to send it through that way. You that, can be even more lazy, but we'll still send you a haiku and a limerick. We're, we're, it's, I can't tell you how exciting it is to like have the challenge of having to come up with one. And then, you know, you, you get to send it out. And the, the cool thing about it is we don't, we don't keep track of them. So you are the only... I'm sorry. I've not been keeping track of mine. 
Uh, I think I take a picture just to make to prove to you that I did it. Oh, all right, but I, no, there, no one else is in possession of this information but you. This is a personalized uh, haiku and limerick just for you. So I, I don't know what else I can say to get you guys to check in. But and also please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. And if you do that and you like it or at least don't hate it, please give us a high rating so other people can like it. If you do hate it, just stop listening. You don't have to punish us or be mean. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm in charge of being mean. Yeah, it's five stars or nothing, pal. That's it. <laughs> you can take your four stars and go pound sand down a rat hole. Uh, all right, seven. And on that note. <laughs> this is a part of the show where you thank the guest. Gotcha. Well, thank you very much, Anne, for being here. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. It was fun to talk with you. The time flew by. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Want to hear more? Visit www.saltwatermedia.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. Want other people to hear more? Give us a great review there. Tell your story.